Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. We have been uh, in the last number of, of months in, a, in an ongoing conversation <clears throat> in which we've been trying to take seriously Jesus' invitation to follow him in his way. Uh, and um, part, of the, part of the challenge with that is that most of us come from within a North American context in which uh, going to church or believing or Christianity has a certain uh, pre-definition to it. Uh, and it involves certain kinds of cultural values and so on and so forth, many of which are just kind of co-opted from Western culture and baptized in a way, and made Christian without um, reflection. Uh, is that really what the gospel's about? And so part of what we've been trying to do uh, following you know, the teachings uh, of Jesus uh, as kind of channeled for us through our friend John Mark Homer, uh, been asking, what is the way of Jesus? As you probably know, uh, initially people weren't known as Christians. That took a while for that term to, to, to develop. Uh, so the early um, disciples, if you will, were simply known as people of the way, people who had made a decision to follow the way of Jesus. Uh, and that was fairly clear and obvious in the Roman Empire, what that meant, because it was counter-cultural. It was counter-intuitive. It didn't make any sense to the prevailing worldview of the time. And over the years, uh, Christianity, uh, instead of being a primary marker of those whose lives reminded others of the way of Jesus, became a, uh, a, a social construct, a, a, a political sometimes even movement, um, that lost the, the counterintuitive, countercultural um, uh, identification of what it meant to be followers in the way of Jesus. And so uh, I wanted to this morning kind of maybe kind of pull us back into the, into the frame of what Jesus had in mind when he said, look, um, you can't follow you and follow me. You can't follow the Caesars of your age and follow me. You can't follow the, the systems of self-affirmation of your culture and follow me. So you gotta, you got to make up your mind. You've you got to take up your cross, not as a piece of jewelry or an instrument of, you know, admiration, but as a primary symbol of death. Because you can't go where you're going and go where I'm going at the same time. You got to die to yourself. So how do we think about self-denial in a culture that celebrates self-affirmation and has often co-opted Jesus as a way to your best life now? And that's what I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, it's going to get miserable. Um, but it'll be over in about 30 minutes. So <laughs> let's pray. 
Oh God, I just got to come clean before you and this community of friends um, that this is really hard. I've, I've, I've achieved a level of following that has made my life comfortable and has kind of made it easy for me to miss how rigorous your demands are. Not, not as a, a way of salvation. That's the least of your concerns. The truth is, Lord, you want to save the world. Uh, and I've found a way to make it comfortable to live in the ship while it's going down. So I pray for help uh, to talk about this and courage even myself to repent. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, the passages of Scripture, which I'm going to make up, seeing as how we have no projection. Uh, <laughs> If you have version, it's there. You can check it out. Uh, if you have the old-fashioned one where we used to print words on pieces of paper, you probably got, if you're a typical North American household, three or four of them lying around under furniture at home. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Uh, he begins with this. Uh, Jesus said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it then for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Very simply, Jesus is saying to us here, um, the way of the disciple, the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. There's no way around it. It was true for him where he had to deny himself in order to make the way of the gospel. And it is true for us uh, in, in multiple, multiple ways. If we're going to follow his way, we have to carry our own cross. We have to die daily, whatever that means. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means. But particularly, we have to die daily to the strategies of our life, even if they work, to produce the good life. We have to die daily to the strategies of negotiated life. We can't follow Jesus and follow anyone else, even of ourselves, at the same time. We have to make a decision. It's his way or no way. Right? And he's very clear. The, the, the way of Jesus is a narrow way. Not, not, it, 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 there's all kinds of other ways out there, right? It, it, if you're driving down the freeway and you miss, miss the off-ramp, there's all kinds of ways that will convince you, all kinds of people who are traveling with you, that you will convince you that you didn't miss much unless your destination lies at the other end of that off-ramp, right? In which case... You've missed it. It doesn't matter how much good time you're making on the way to San Diego. If you wanted to go to Santa Monica, that's not helpful. <laughs> do, do, do you see what we're after here? And Jesus is saying, this is the way I'm going. Any other way won't get you there. So you've got to take up your cross. You've got to deny yourself, he says, and follow me. And again, notice, please, in the, and I know we've made this over and over and over again, but it's critical for us to understand that Jesus is not interested in making Christians. 
That is to say, people who are uh, uh, using the language without being marked by the identity. Remember, the word Christian means little Christ. So when somebody asks me anymore, because as you know, in our culture particularly, the word Christian isn't very helpful anymore. We have to you know, define it 38 ways from Sunday for anybody to know what we're talking about. Christian means, if you follow me around for a year or two, my life should convince you that I have been with Jesus. And if it doesn't, I can't claim that title. So what Jesus is after is disciples, are people who are follow, apprentices, students, folks who don't just write stuff down when I talk, but go out and practice it throughout the course of their everyday life. That's what it means to be a disciple. And he says, if we're going to do that, we can't choose any other way and his way. We have to learn our way from him. If you're not weary, if you're not heavy laden, don't bother coming to him. He won't give you rest. He, he won't be an STP to the otherwise full tank of gas that you've got in your car for old people who understand what STP is. Anybody <laughs> figure that one out? I've got to stop using that illustration because it's increasing. People are dying. They don't know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> you know, but we, we, we have this sense of, of Jesus comes along to spackle over, to cover up the cracks in an otherwise manageable life. No, he does not come to make your life better. He comes to kill you because he knows something that we're still learning, that the only way to the life you say you want is through the door of death of the life you currently have. Because the only way to life from above is through death to resurrection. It's the only way. That's why I said to Nicodemus, you've got to be born from above. Right? So we, we have to keep in mind that both elements of, are necessary, taking up our cross and following Jesus. They go together, right? Both elements are necessary. We have to learn both our death and our life from him. So Jesus does not want to come to, to, to fix over things. Because here's, here's one of the problems. I, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared and willing to have Jesus redeem the bad stuff. Right? The things that I think I screwed up on or the think, mistakes that I've made or the, the, the outrageous uh, ways that I've hurt and offended and wounded other people, I want him to fix that. But the other stuff, some of the stuff, really candidly, I, I got some stuff pretty much nailed. And I think I can manage that stuff on my own. A anybody else? Track along with me, three or four? Okay, so, so it's, it's it, and he's saying, no, 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 you don't, you don't know what the good stuff is and the bad stuff is. You don't even know what redeem means. Redeem requires death. You can't redeem something that hasn't been given away. So, so the good stuff needs to be redeemed. The stuff that's working needs to be redeemed every bit as much as the stuff that's not working so well. I want Jesus to fix my marriage, but I don't want him to affect my personality because it's how I make money. Sorry. Those two, you can't, just, just see how we negotiate this. That's why he says, take up your cross and follow me. We're invited into this, 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 we are pain averse. And I get it. I am too. We don't want the pain of dying to the false, because what's dying is the false self. 
All of the ways that we have cobbled together a life that isn't really a life. All of the ways that we started to learn when we were moving out of, of, uh, of, of our, our concrete way of thinking as children and started to generate a life as we headed into middle school and, 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 and high school and whatnot, we generated a false self to negotiate our life. That, that false self has to die. All of those ways, and, it, and it's critical for us, because I, I need to maybe say this too, Jesus is not thinking this is bad news. He's taking us seriously. He says, you, you've come to me saying that you want to live. Cool. I know how to do that. You don't. That's why you're coming to me. If you weren't coming to me, if you knew how to live, you wouldn't come. Fine. Knock yourself out. The outcome, I, I'll tell you this from past experience, he'll say, the outcome of your, the way you're thinking about life, yeah, is death. Just want you to know, the bridge is out. 70 miles an hour won't make it possible for you to sail over the gap. So you're, you're going to find out sooner or later, I'll be at the bottom when you get there. Right? But if you want to avoid that, die now. Because that's the only way to life that you say you want. I'm not coming to make your life miserable. I'm coming to clear the way so I can give you the desires of your heart. Who else's desires does he want to give you? It's yours. He wants to give you your life. He doesn't come to, come to make you somebody else. He comes to make you you. And so he's got to get rid of all of the stuff that you have barnacled on that isn't really fundamentally you. That's the self that has to die. Everything that is not fully us, the false self, the, the habits of self-soothing, self-destruction, negotiated detente with death. Anybody else besides me made peace with certain self-destructive behaviors? As long as he doesn't touch that, I think I'll be okay. I mean, five or 12 million cancer cells, I think I can beat it. Jesus says, no, 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 I love you too much for that. I'm the oncologist of your soul. I will go after everything that's killing you with ferocity, with vengeance. You will receive it as wrath. I'm prepared for you to hate me on the way to loving me. That's hard. That's hard. Because that means I can't live any way I want in relationships and have a relationship that's formed after the life of Christ. Do you see what I mean? It's like, I can't say that I want to be a disciple of Jesus and not do the stuff that disciples of Jesus do. So he says, this discipline of self-denial that we've been talking about all along, these are all parts of that. Fasting isn't functional by itself. It's a way of practicing self-denial so we get good at it, right? Simplicity is, is not the, 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 you know, kind of orange is the new black kind of, this is, this, is the, this is the new way of being cool. This is what hipsters do. No, no, no. Simplicity is a way of clearing the deck so you can laser focus on what really matters. Service. 
right? Serving others is not a, a, a largesse of my, my generous soul. It's, be, it's what I do because of who I am. Right? Chastity is a spiritual discipline that we've talked about before for both married and unmarried persons. Sexual self-control is, in my opinion, and the, the hashtags abound in our culture. If we just paid attention to what Jesus had been talking about from the get-go, we wouldn't have to be having these conversations. But we didn't. So we have to. And as it turns out, his way is still the simplest and easiest way back out of the rabbit hole. Does that make sense? He's not stupid. He he knows what it's like to be human, and he gets it right. He He wasn't just God. He was fully man. He got what it meant to be human, and he wants to teach us how to be human, how to be a person. That's what he's saying. You've got to get rid of all the stuff that's not human, all of the ways that you've cobbled together a life that don't make sense. So this is the, the framework that he's inviting us into. So as they were walking along around, we'll pick it up at verse 57, same chapter, chapter 9 of, of Luke. They were walking along the road. A guy said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus was not impressed. He said, well, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You hear what's happening here? Because the way of Jesus seems attractive until you try it out. And then you find out that it's hard, and you give up. That's what he's saying. G.K. Chesterton make the case. It's not that Christianity has been tried and found false. It's that it's been thought difficult and left untried. Do you see? Because he's not talking about going to church. That's easy. I mean, relatively. Especially when you can whittle yourself down to every, oh, I don't know, couple or three weeks. Because that's what we do. And, and by the way, that's, not the, that's not, not, not the deal. It's just that you don't become a disciple of Jesus by showing up in the middle school gym. Right? You become a disciple of Jesus by deliberately, intentionally choosing against your own self-inclinations and for the ways of Jesus in how you treat people, how you manage your money, how you handle your sexuality, how, you, how do you negotiate conflict, how do you deal with troubled and difficult people, all of those ways. There's all kinds of ways of doing that, yes? And Jesus says, you've got to choose my way if you're my disciple. It's not rocket science. It's really, really hard, but it's the only way to life. All kinds of other easier ways to be married, to manage singleness, all kinds of other easier ways. They don't get you where you say you want to go, though. Right? So he says, and to the guy, the guy that says, I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus is not impressed with talk. Talk is cheap. Right? I believe everything about you. Every demon in hell believes everything about Jesus that you do. They know he's the Son of God, and they yawn. So what? That's functionally what happens when we know the right things about Jesus, but don't make a deliberate intention to align our lives around the what he's invited us into. Right? And he, he wants the guy to know it's going to cost you something. The, 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 the typical comforts 
that are, are, are available to, to the citizens of the world may not be available to you. It's going to be, it's going to be challenging. It's not, not, not a, 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 a simple add-on to an otherwise comfortable life. Uh, we can't follow Jesus and not follow him at the same time. If we have, there, there, there may be some, 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 Self-denial, in fact, he's guaranteeing there will be some self-denial along the way, right? Because talk is cheap. Another guy said, no, 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 this time, verse, verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. So first guy says, I'll follow you. Jesus said, mm, not, so, not, so, not so fast. Another guy, Jesus said, you, you, you follow me. Oh, okay, Lord, I'm in, but first. As soon as you have the but first, you're not interested in following. But first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You feel the switch there? First of all, the guy's excuse was a legitimate one. The problem was, of course, that the ceremonies for the dead that year, that that culture lasted approximately a year. So he was saying, I'm, I'm in, check with me in about 365-ish days. Because what would happen is that a, a person would die and they would inter them within two or three days. No, no chemical preservation, they would place them in a cave or whatever. And then a year later they would have a, have a formal burial where they would go and collect the bones from that cave or whatever, and would put it in a box, an ossuary, and that box would be buried. So this guy's saying, I'm in this process, I need to get to here, and as soon as I've fulfilled my formal obligations as a son to my father, listen to this outrageous statement then that Jesus responds with. Your primary obligation is not to the dead, not to your family, not to the systems that have defined your identity in the world. Your primary obligation, duty, and privilege is to proclaim the kingdom. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? This is why they killed Jesus, by the way. They didn't kill Jesus because he was a nice guy who went around healing people and providing McDonald's on the hillside. They killed Jesus because he said stuff like this. If, my, if I'm not more important to you than your mom and dad, your husband, your wife, your kids, your family, don't bother. It, this is in a culture that was relentlessly family-oriented, and Jesus wants us to know if you want to make sense of your family, there's only one way. Set it aside. Follow me first. It's not that family is irrelevant, not that family doesn't matter, it's not that it, is, it, it, it isn't important, it's that if it assumes importance over the kingdom, over Christ's call to allegiance, it has become an idol. And we live in a culture in which we're proliferating, we're popping out idols every 10 or 15 minutes in our culture, right? The idol of marriage, the idol of virginity, the idol of the child. And we make these, these icons, these images, more important than allegiance to Jesus. 
Not that, and I chose these words very deliberately. Did he say what I thought he said? Yes, he did. Why? Because we as disciples, even as Christians, have these particular models that we hold up so that, so that they become the highest priority, not, not allegiance to Jesus, not receiving grace, not receiving his call, not receiving his forgiveness, not receiving his invitation. We have made things disqualify us that are not our business to do that with. And again, don't misunderstand me. Jesus is not saying mother, father, sister, brother, duties, obligations, privileges that come with family are not important. He's saying they're not as important. They need to be put in line. They need to be given their place. He himself said it. Remember when his mom and brothers were trying to protect him from himself? They thought he was crazy. Knocking on the door, Jesus said, who are my mother and brothers? Those who do the will of my father. So in a culture like theirs, like ours, in which these family obligations are priority, Jesus says you, 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 you can't, there's not only are, are, are they not a priority, but now there is an urgency. I can't wait for a year. No, it's not that I can't wait. I'm on my way. It's that you can't wait. Don't let whatever it is occur so that you can. Right, and and we'll fill in the blank. I'm talking to a kid this past week, one of my one of my kids in, in in class, and he's all excited about following Jesus when he graduates. Back the truck up, Bucko. If you if you can't and don't now, when. Right? If, you, if, you're, if you're not a disciple in your single life, why do you think marriage is going to make it easier? If you're negotiating your single life by the structures of the world, why do you think your marriage is not going to suffer the same fate? Right? And, 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 and we could, as soon as, I, as, soon as, I, as soon as I'm a success in business, then I'll start to, no, 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 no. It's like, it's like the guy, I'll be generous when I win. No, you won't. You just won't. Because if generosity is not a seed sown in your heart by obedience to Jesus, it won't occur magically to you when you have the means by which to be generous. It just won't. Right? It's part of the reason why we struggle, why Darren has been so relentless on this, and I love him for this because he gets what Jesus got. The primary God of our age is Mammon. Jesus spoke about money more than he talked about anything else. Not because he needed finances; he owns the cows and the cattleocks and a thousand hills. It's because that has a grip on our heart marked by our fear, right? It's one of the reasons why, on average, across North America, the average generous congregation, less than 20% of the people who attend that congregation give anything close to what approximates a tithe. And it's not because the 80% are belligerently disobedient. It's that they have not structured their lives. We have not structured our lives to be obedient, right? And we don't feel the urgency to press in. All kinds of reasons, all kinds of excuses. 
I told you it was going to get miserable in here. I'm sorry. It'll be over in a couple minutes. Next guy. I'll follow you, Lord. Back to guy number one again, right? First, though, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And in this, he's echoing uh, an Old Testament story. Elijah comes down from the mountain having met with God and meets Elisha who is plowing a field. And we are informed by the culture of that time that Elisha has 12 yoke of oxen. He's, he's, he's got this, this is a massively wealthy family that Elisha is part of. And he is the chief heir of this family. And Elijah comes and, and, and calls him to step away. And I love Elisha's response. He goes back and says goodbye to his family. Then he burns the plow. He sets the Cadillac, the Mercedes, the Rolls Royce on fire. There is no, he burns the bridge. There's no going back. And that's what Jesus is referring to. When, when you put your hand to the plow, not to plow, but to burn it, and look back with regret, you're not ready yet. Because right? he, doesn't, he doesn't want to make this easy, because he knows if he makes, makes it easy, right, we, we, we often will, will be caught. Anybody else caught off guard by how hard being a disciple of Jesus is? I thought all I did, had to do was pray the prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. I receive your forgiveness. Good to go. All righty. No, 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 no. Can we talk about how you're sleeping with your boyfriend? Can we talk about? No, no, wait a minute. Nobody said anything about that. Can we talk about how you're spending your money? Can we talk about where the clothes you're buying come from? Can we talk about how you negotiate your way up the corporate ladder? Can we talk about that? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Nobody said anything about that. I prayed the prayer for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, okay. Knock yourself out. You're going to die. Just wanted you to know, you're going to die. <laughs> and I'll be there at the bottom because I've already done that. I'd really like to spare you some of that if you want, but hey. You see what he's doing? He's not mean. He's not belligerent. He's not shaking his fist. I want to make you miserable. You don't want to go to Africa. Right on. Book your passage, bucko. He's not going to ruin your life. He wants to give you your life, but he knows that the only way he can do that is by getting your cold, dead fingers off what you have cobbled together as a life. Because, let's be clear, he tells another parable. A king is coming with superior force, and you will be overwhelmed. Negotiate terms of peace now. By the way, while we're at this, I think I've underlined this enough, but let me underline it again. We've talked about the cost of discipleship. Everybody's clear there's a cost to non-discipleship too, right? So, so just so we're clear. The cost of non-discipleship is that you are less than fully yourself. Less than fully human. That's what it means. Um, 
self-fulfillment will never enable us to be ourselves because we don't know what we're doing. G.K. Chesterton, whom I love, I'm paraphrasing him on this, but he said, when we have found something which we prefer to life itself, for the first time, we then begin to live. When we have found something which we prefer to life itself, it is then we begin to live. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.